there are always going to be people that when you get to the end, they're like, oh, here we go. Here's the sales conversation. Those people, everybody gets them. Just ignore them. You're listening to Build a Better Wellness Biz. I'm your host, Jeremy Enns. In this episode, I'm talking with Karen Paddock. I have a business where I help health coaches attract their ideal clients and fill their programs using wellness workshops. Which is exactly what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Workshops are something that I have a little bit of experience in myself, but have never felt super confident running. So I was really excited to talk with Karen. In this episode, we're covering the ins and outs of using workshops to grow your list and enroll people in your programs, including how much information you should include in your workshops. We have to monitor the rate at which the information is coming. That's what makes us a good coach. If we just verbal vomit all over everyone, they're not going to be able to get that. How to partner with other people with larger audiences to help fill your workshops when you're just starting out. I'm always thinking about, okay, what are they bringing to the table and what can I bring to the table? Try to figure out what that synergy is, why you believe that your audiences would benefit or complement one another, and then share that with them. How to transition from teaching to the sales conversation without feeling icky. If they've hung on with you to this point, more than likely they want the next steps. They're thinking about the next steps. So you may have to convince yourself, all right, I earned this right. They want to know it. You may be telling yourself this and you don't believe it, but this is the truth. And we'll also be talking about a whole lot more. In addition to being a wizard with wellness workshops, Karen co-hosts the Wellness Business Podcast with Kathleen Legris and has a lot of experience with all aspects of running a successful wellness business. In our conversation, we also get into the importance of messaging, both for your workshops as well as your business as a whole. And stay tuned to the end to find out about Karen's library of 12 ready-to-use wellness workshops that you can put to work in your business immediately. Now, today, Karen has built a fantastic business and has helped a lot of other people build better businesses themselves. But like all of us, she struggled early on. When she was first starting out, she felt like every successful person around her had some secret a magic pill that if only she could get it, it would lead to instant clarity and success for herself. I wanted to start the conversation by going back to the experience that jolted her out of that belief and set her on the path that has taken her to where she is today. Here's what I thought in a nutshell. I thought that all the successful business owners out there knew a secret, had a magic pill or whatever that I didn't know that was only accessible through or on the other side of a huge financial investment. That was a huge mistake. I ended up investing a significant amount of money, many, many thousands of dollars into a coaching program. It was like a mastermind type program. And I had, I had followed this coach for a long time. I had been in some of her lower priced programs. And this, at the beginning of this year, I decided I was going all in. It was, it was, like I said, multiple thousands of dollars. I was going all in. It was a year long program. And honestly, after the very first call, <laughs> and I, here I think I'm like behind the scenes. It's like the Wizard of Oz, right? I'm finally behind the curtain. And after the very first call in January, I knew I had made a gigantic mistake. I knew it. 
But I thought in my gut, I knew it. And I thought, okay, we're just getting rolling. Like just let things go and just follow the protocol. Well, in essence, there wasn't really a protocol. There was a lot of talk and not a lot of action. I didn't get a lot of support. And about halfway through the year, I gave it a fair chance. Halfway through the year, I asked for a refund, a prorated refund, which was significantly prorated more than I had anticipated. But the point was, it was it was a waste of my time. It was not what I thought. And it was it was a hard realization for me, but it was something, it was a lesson I'm actually glad I learned, even though it was <laughs> a financial commitment. And that is simply that there is no magic bullet. There is no pixie dust, right? And we all have to figure out what's unique for us and what we can do to attract our ideal clients. And it's our personal experiences and the way we approach the topic that we're so passionate about teaching that makes the difference in our business. And so just that consistency and showing up. And once I did that and just like put my head down and said, okay, I just need a program. I need a customer journey. I need a great freebie. I'm going to build my list. How am I going to do that? What's authentic to me? Things turned around. And it is sad that I had to spend that amount of money to figure that out. But like I said, it was a lesson that I probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. And so for those, I would say to those that are thinking about investing big money in masterminds or or private coaching, just do your due diligence and talk to maybe some of the past clients of those people and see what kind of results they actually got because it's it's not always great on the other side of that investment. Yeah, so you mentioned that coming out of that, you made the decision, well, I need a program, I need a way to get leads and just gonna put your head down and do it. Were those things that you already knew you needed to do before investing this program and just were thinking there's gotta be an easier way or what was that transition to actually putting your head down there? I would say I probably knew most of that going into that program. I just needed someone that was going to help me figure out what that looked like for me because I was really struggling with that. I was pretty clear on my ideal client. Uh, I don't feel like I had my marketing message dialed in at that point. And I definitely didn't know what program was going to be really like my mark, my signature program, like now my wellness workshops, they are for me. I didn't know what that was going to be. And so this investment, my thought was this investment was going to help me figure that out. This coach was going to help me dial that in. And and don't get me wrong. I think there are a lot of phenomenal coaches out there. I've done a lot of one-on-one coaching myself, helping my clients. And I think that there is definitely a benefit to that. But again, you just need to know what your goals are and be clear that this person is not an end-all, be-all fix. It still comes back to you, right? Like the buck stops with you. And so be just really clear on what you want. And that's really where I thought this coach was going to like pretty much do the work almost for me. Tell me, okay, just go do this, Karen, and go do this and go do this. And that's really not what coaching is about. So I had a false expectation going in and then really on the other side, there was no support for me individually. I just want to double click on something Karen mentioned here about how when she joined this program, she didn't yet have her marketing messaging or her signature program dialed in. We've talked before about the importance of messaging, specifically in episode 13 with Shauna Van Bogart. 
But when it comes to messaging, there's always more to talk about. In this case, I want to talk about the relationship between niching and messaging. So often, when we think about niching, we're thinking about our audience in terms of demographics and psychographics. I always like to think about niching in terms of defining the people for whom you can be the very best option in the world, a concept I dedicated a full episode to back in episode five. But even once you've identified that target audience, there's room to narrow down further, in particular with your offerings and your messaging. Depending on your product, service, or program offerings, you might speak very differently to the same group of people, depending on which specific problem you're helping them solve. Karen could choose to support health coaches in a whole variety of ways, and her messaging would change with each. But she's chosen to focus specifically on wellness workshops and client attraction, which allows her to really stand out as the go-to person for anyone looking to learn how to run workshops for their business. And it's the whole reason I reached out to her specifically to come on the podcast in the first place. If you're clear on your audience but still aren't gaining traction with them, it's worth looking at your offerings and the messaging around them and asking yourself how you can bring more focus to what you really want to be known for. We're going to get into messaging more later on in this episode, but I wanted to get into some of the specifics about wellness workshops first. To start, I wanted to know how Karen thinks about the structure or framework of a great wellness workshop. In my mind, a great workshop, really any workshop, but specifically a wellness workshop, is going to have a title that is going to more than likely attract the audience that you want to attract. So not a general topic like, okay, why drinking more water is great for your health, right? Because that could apply to anyone. We wanna get more specific like a topic about gut health, a topic about hormone health, a topic about mindset shifts for weight loss, right? We wanna get really clear so that we're already weeding out the tire kickers or the people that aren't really our ideal clients before they even enroll to come into our, or register for our workshop. So a title is super important. And I learned that over time. Beyond that, then you wanna make sure that your workshop bullet points or teaching points per se are specific to that outcome. Now, here's the key. This is the key, Jeremy, that a lot of people don't realize is that you don't want to give it all away in the workshop, right? Because the idea of the workshop to get the people warmed up, get them through their customer journey more quickly with you, get them to trust you, and then you're going to make some type of offer at the end to enroll them in a program or get them at least on a discovery call. And so the idea is to start giving them information. It's almost like the what and the why on a topic, but not so much the how. So that they are, they feel enlightened. They feel like they've been educated and inspired during the workshop. And then when you get to the end of the workshop and you have your call to action, whatever that may be, enroll them in your program, invite them to a discovery call with you. Now they want to know the next step. They want to know the how. And, and you appear or you have earned the right to stand in that leadership role because you just delivered a 45 to 60 minute workshop. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that people frequently struggle with is knowing where is that limit of how much should I be giving away? Because you do want people to feel like they've got a win out of the workshop that they've, it is going to be, you've already proven to them that you're going to get them results. Maybe you've taken them one little step closer. So how do you kind of coach people through like, well, this is how much you should put into the workshop versus going into your program. 
Yeah, so that's a great question. And I sort of touched on this already. So if you're looking at the information that you want to cover during your workshop, ask yourself, okay, am I educating? Am I inspiring? Am I giving information here that really covers the what? Like, let's talk about gut health. What is gut health? What are some of the symptoms you could be feeling if your gut isn't working perfectly, right? Isn't in this symphony of greatness. And so that's the what. And then the why. Okay, why do we want our gut health to be healthy? So we're giving them information and we're certainly educating them, but we're not telling them yet how to fix their gut right? Because we want them to do that with our support as a coach. We want to be able to help them because we more than likely have had that journey ourselves, which has led us to be an expert in this area. And we know there are bumps along the road. It doesn't matter if you're building a business, fixing your gut, trying to lose weight, there are going to be bumps along the way. And so it's really important to give those baby steps and educate the what and the why so that they are then, they are feeling like, okay, that's, I totally get that. That's me. I feel that. That's what I have going on. Yes, this person understands me. Now, okay, what's the next step? Now, the next step comes in an investment, right? They have to be invested. If we gave them all of the information up front, let's just say we just just totally gave them everything that's in our program. We just want to be so helpful and giving. They could not receive it all that quickly if we wanted them to. It, normally, it takes us years to get to that point, and then we just want to give it all away, right? And we just want someone to understand the end point, but we took time to get there. And so that's what we want to help our clients do, and that's why workshops are just such a great model to help them just start to break in to this conversation and what their next steps are. Yeah, and I think that sometimes when people hear talking about giving the what and the why away, but not, but holding back some of that how, that can feel like, oh, well, I, I can remember being on workshops like that where it's just frustrating and they get, tantalize you and get you through, but they don't actually give anything away. But I think doing it right, the what and the why can be huge breakthroughs for people. Because if you're struggling with something, and if we're talking about gut health and something in your, your gut is off and that is leading to all these symptoms, that could be one of any number of things. And I know we work with a lot of people who specialize in gut health. And just one of the recurring themes is they, their patients and their clients go to a dozen different doctors and get a dozen different reasons for why their symptoms might be happening. And so if you can actually deliver that what and the why and somebody says, oh, that's exactly what I have, even though you haven't given them the how to solve it, that is a huge breakthrough and that is incredibly valuable for them. And they can kind of quickly, you know, identify with that within the 45 minutes that you talked about. And so that is a lot of value. And it's not like you're, you know, you're holding back all the good stuff. But for the right person, that is going to be, you know, beyond uh, their 45 minute time investment that they've paid, so to speak, to uh, attend the workshop. I totally agree. Absolutely. And and here's the thing that I, I hope your listeners got out of this, or maybe me just saying it will help them have that aha moment. We are coaches, right? We are practitioners. We are the people that we have to monitor really the rate at which the information is coming. That's what makes us a good coach. If we just verbal vomit all over everyone, they're not going to be able to get that, right? And so I look at it when I'm coaching someone, I gauge where they are in their journey. And then I gauge what information I give them. 
I'm not going to give them everything all at once. And it's not because I'm intentionally holding back or I'm intentionally trying to put something behind a pay gate. Instead, I just know that they can only absorb and implement so much at a time. And that person that had the aha moment, like you said, that, oh my gosh, okay, yes, this is me. It might take them coming to that workshop, that very same workshop, two or three times before they're finally ready to invest because, okay, now they've, they've made that connection. Yes, that's me. Okay, now they need to go home and they need to process that, right? Reevaluate some things that are going on. Take what they did learn about why gut health is important and see how that applies to their life. The next time they come to that workshop, then they might be ready. So it is part of your job description, I feel, as a practitioner and as a coach to gauge the amount of information that you're giving at one time to help your clients be successful. Yeah, I think we've all been to you know a, a conference talk or something like that where it is just somebody speaking out of a fire hose and it might be fantastic information. It might be just what you needed to learn, but it was too much and you take nothing away from it. And so, yeah, the, the, definitely like slowing it down and delivering it in bite-sized chunks can be really the better way to go. So you talked a little bit about length in terms of delivering content. What are some of these segments maybe? Obviously, there's, there's typically going to be a pitch or something at the end and there's going to be the informational content. How does everything fit together in terms of the workshop and how long? I know I've been on workshops from 60 minutes to 90 minutes, maybe some even as long as two hours long. Uh, What's your kind of opinion on length and breaking up the different segments? So the format that I've used to create my wellness workshops are simply, they're aiming for about 45 minutes of content. Really, I should say probably about 35 minutes of content, 10 minutes of a sales conversation or making an offer, and then leaving about 15 minutes for Q&A. I think it's important to have that Q&A. So when you start a workshop, of course, you do your welcome and then reminding them why they registered. So more than likely, whenever they registered, there were probably some bullet points on that page where they registered and they said, yeah, I want, I want to know about this. Reiterating those bullet points so that you are helping them confirm that they are in the right place, this is time well spent, and that they want to hang around and get the rest of the information. If you can grab their attention right off the bat, and help them make some connections so that they feel like, okay, yeah, I'm totally getting this. I'm in the right place. I want to hear more. Then you don't have people that are looking at their cell phones, looking at Facebook, multitasking, right? They are with you. Those are the people that are going to stay to the end. They're going to hear your call to action. They're going to hear your offer. They're going to ask questions. And they are the people that are more than likely going to be joining you. So really getting them to buy in in the beginning by reiterating those bullet points as well as, you know, saying something like, I don't know why you joined this workshop, but you may be experiencing and then give like three or four more bullet points of maybe some physical things. If it's a gut health workshop, some physical things that they might be feeling, maybe some of the experiences that they're having with their doctors where the doctors are throwing their hands up saying, I don't know. I don't know, right? Then you get them shaking their head. Yeah, that's me. Yes, yes, yes. And then you go into the teaching content. And then once you wrap up your teaching content, then you move into a space where you kind of go back to the beginning where you, I don't know why you joined this particular workshop. As I said, you might've been experiencing this, this, or this. 
you know, when you have these feelings and now that you know what you've learned here on this workshop, let me introduce you to whatever it is, my XYZ program, or let me invite you to get on a call with me so I can look more closely at your situation. And so it's a very, I use the same structure, have for years and years and years, and it works really, really well because I get the buy-in from the attendee right from the beginning. They get educated, they get inspired, they feel like this was valuable time. And, and then even if they don't invest in my program, I know they're walking away feeling like they are empowered, they've learned, and they've, they've gotten to the next step of their journey. So we've kind of been talking a little bit here about workshops that feed into a program, but I know that you have a lot of experience growing your own email list through using workshops. So I'm curious about when it comes to using workshops as a list building tool, uh, how might those be different? Are you what, What's kind of the call to action at the end of, of a list building workshop as opposed to a program filling workshop? So I have used workshops for a long time. I used workshops when I was a health coach and then I continued using workshops after I transitioned to a business coach. And I used them interchangeably. So back when I started my coaching business in 2011, we didn't have live stream. We didn't have a lot of the tools that are available now. Coaches now have so many amazing tools available to them to get out there, to get in front of their ideal clients. And so a workshop, typically by nature, there's some type of registration required for you to get the access link to that workshop. So that in and of itself is growing your email list. So no matter whether you're pitching or you're not pitching at the end, right? There is that, that list building component automatically built in. Now, from there, if you, or the way I did it, I should say, when I was not going to pitch a program, this was just totally free information. I was talking about a topic. I was continuing to warm up my audience. Then I would typically give away some type of free download. I would not make those people register again for that. I would just give them the link straight away because they already registered. I already have their name and email, right? And so I don't want to make them jump through any more hoops than they absolutely have to. And so this is a great way. Why workshops work so well is simply because you are talking when you do the title, right? And you're already weeding out those people that aren't your ideal clients. You're getting this virtual room, right? You can do workshops in person, but I guess right now with everything that's going on, we're doing a virtual room. You have a virtual room of attendees that are interested in what you have to say. And so when you then give them something free, some kind of checklist or resource guide or whatever it is at the end, it doesn't have to be something big, but just something that helps them take the next steps. I always love to end my workshops with some type of call to action. Yes, there's a lot of times that is an enrollment into a program, but then there are other times when it is simply go forth and implement what you learned. And here, let me tell you exactly what your next steps are. And so that's what people want. They don't want to try to figure it out by themselves. They want you to say, do this in this amount of time get, and then check your results, right? And so that is, again, part of being a coach, a practitioner, the leader, the expert, is you're helping them take their next steps. We touched on messaging earlier, but I want to dig in a little bit deeper. So much of your ability to get people into your programs using workshops comes down to getting the right people on the workshop in the first place. 
And so much of getting the right people on the workshop comes down to being specific about the people you serve and the problem you solve for them. Karen talked about the importance of titling your workshops in a way that speaks to the right people and weeds out the wrong people. But I wanted to get her advice on what she would tell someone who is struggling to get traction with an audience on a broader level. The first thing that needs to happen is for them to really fess up to themselves on why they're resisting. Because more times than not, it's because someone is resisting choosing an ideal client or narrowing the market. And just as I said, they feel like they're narrowing their market, that they're going to lose possible customers, or they might also feel like, well, I, I can't really say I'm an expert in this area. And so they get into this whole limiting belief thing. So this is where I start, right? So like, okay, you don't haven't picked one yet. Is it because you're brand new? Okay, great. Then, then let's talk about that. If you are someone that's been at this for a while and you still haven't chosen, then chances are it's one of those two things. You either feel like you're narrowing, you feel like you have multi-passions and you can help so many people, right? Or you have this limiting belief of, I'm not an expert in that. And so what I say to the people that say, I'm not an expert in that, you don't have to be an expert. When we say expert or leader, we're talking in a space of you are two or three or four or more steps ahead of where your ideal clients are. They don't need you to have it all figured out. Heck, things in the health and wellness space change constantly. So it would be impossible for you to have it all figured out. You just need to be a few steps ahead. For the people that are saying, I'm multi-passionate, when you're multi-passionate and you try to relay that in a marketing message, right? I'm always thinking in terms of marketing messages. How can you say what you do, who you help, and the transformation you offer in one sentence? People that are multi-passionate can't do that. And when you are not specializing in something, doesn't mean you can't have secondary things, but if you're not specializing in something, then your message is talking to no one because we are in a world, we are in a place where people want specialists. They want that person. If you're going to you know, fix your gut health, are you going to someone that specializes in hormone health, and helps fix the gut and also thyroid? No, you want the person that this is what they know inside and out. They've taken the journey before you, they are confident. So that's what I'm looking for. And that's what I try to help my clients do is start with, okay, what's the marketing message? Who you help, how you help, and the transformation you offer in one simple sentence. And then for the people that just feel like, you know, they just, want to remain general, this is where they feel the most comfortable. It's really the same thing. In this world today, people are looking for answers to specific questions. And if you just say general terms like, you know, I help you bring joy and beautiful energy to make your life more fulfilling, that doesn't resonate, right? It's too general. And so we want to dial back come back to what has your experience been? Where do you feel like you are the strongest in your coaching? And then let's start to build something on those terms. The fact is you can change your ideal client. You can modify it. You can edit it. I've done it 
so many times, and I think you should, as you continue to coach, get more clients under your belt, I think you're going to find that you like certain clients, you, you are really good at this particular area, and so you should then update it as time goes on. So it's not like you're locking it in stone, which is a fear factor for a lot of people. Yeah. All right. So once you have this person or these this group of people identified, I know you've talked a little bit about titling and the importance of that. But when you're deciding what the topic is going to be for, you know, you might run multiple workshops, but when you're just choosing your first one, let's say you have like five on the table that you're like, well, I could run, you know, any one of these. Do you have any suggestions on like pre-validating those and trying to find out which one is going to resonate the most with your ideal customer? Yeah. Well, I love, honestly, I love doing polls in my Facebook group. I love doing polls on Insta stories. I try to get as much feedback from my audience ahead of time as possible. So I would probably narrow it down to three out of the five. And I would say, okay, guys, what do you want to learn about? What would you like me to teach next? Okay, then you tell me. If you don't have a Facebook group and maybe you don't have a huge following on Instagram, you can certainly create just a short Q&A on, let's say, just your regular personal page on Facebook and ask some of those people, okay, for those of you that are dealing with gut health, right, pre-qualify it. What would you like to learn? If you were to attend a workshop, what would you prefer? The A, B, or C? Just let me know. So do a little investigation. Even if you just get 10 or 15 responses, at least it's driving you in a direction, and then the rest of it just comes from taking action. Run the workshop, see how it goes, ask for feedback when the workshop is done, and then keep making it better every single time. Yeah. So if somebody's using workshops and maybe they're in that kind of second group there where they don't have a Facebook group, they might not have a very big email list at all. And this is the reason they're looking to start with workshops to grow that list. What's the best way to kind of start getting traction and actually get people into the workshops? Number one, if you can ask someone that might have a little bit bigger audience than you to either promote your workshop or do a co-hosted workshop. I did this a lot when I was first starting out. Consistently, I would do a wellness workshop every single month and I would alter back and forth between I would do one by myself and then I would do one with a co-host. And so what happened is the co-host, typically when I was first starting out, the co-host had a bigger audience than I did, but it got them exposure. And so as my list began to grow, I had more and more leverage to get better and better co-hosts, of course. But in the beginning, you are going to start small. The first workshop I ever ran online, I had 25 people register. The next time it was 50, the next time it was 75. And it wasn't long, it was within a year, I was consistently getting six and 700 registrations each and every time I put on a workshop. And I did this same in person. I had local yoga studios and gyms where I was going in and every single time I would fill the room. So there was a room capacity. However, the wait list, right? kept growing. So I knew I was on the right track because people were talking, more people wanted to come. And that was part of the reason too why I decided that I really needed to up 
my game online because I could start inviting those people, right? I was getting their emails. I could start inviting those people online to join me as well. And so it's the snowball effect, but it just starts with taking that one action and knowing that, you know, don't have these giant expectations of someone that's been at this for a year, start where you're at. And even if you get 10 people, that's 10 human beings that are signing up because they want to know what you have to say. That in and of itself, if you could even convert one or two of those people into a program, that's a game changer, right? I mean, from a financial standpoint and a process, like, oh my gosh, this just worked. It just built my confidence. Let's do it again. Now we get 20 people right? And it just keeps going. And so it's that consistency and just being willing to take action and feel uncomfortable to get those long-term benefits. Yeah. I've done workshops in the past with yeah, 8, 10, 12 people. And sometimes those are some of the really great workshops because you get so much interaction with each individual person. Everybody gets their questions answered and they have a much better experience. And so they actually end up like writing in your Facebook group, like, wow, I can't believe, you know, we just spend an hour and a half with Jeremy talking about all these things. And, you know, we had so much Q&A time. I feel like I've learned so much where if you have 200 people, only a handful of people are going to get their questions answered. And so the actual individual experience can be much better on those small groups. And so those, those can be really, really valuable. That's a great point. That is a great point. And so true because they feel then like they had more personalized attention, which just, I mean, think about it. Why did you show up as the coach in the first place or the practitioner in the first place? Because you want those people, your attendees to feel like you have that leadership quality, that you have the quality of someone that feels comfortable for them to invest with, right? And so the smaller workshops give you that ability. So true. Yeah. Do you have any advice on that um, pitching other people who might have a bigger audience than you? Because I think that that's a huge limiting belief that, well, I'm smaller than them, so there's no way. I just feel sleazy like I'm latching onto them. Nobody would say yes to that. So how would you kind of coach someone to like give them the little push to actually do that outreach? So this is a limiting belief. And again, you have to set your expectations. You have to do your due diligence and you have to think about or pay attention to okay, what size audience? Are you going to get someone that has four or five, 600,000 followers? Probably not, right? Maybe someday, but start with somebody that has maybe just a similar, I'm talking about social media followers. It's a great way to gauge, not necessarily their email list, but their following. So look at someone that maybe is just a little bit ahead of you. Maybe you have a hundred followers. Look for someone with 500 to 1,000 followers and ask them, hey, I feel like we have a synergy here. And remember, this is a person with a business, right? So when people pitch me, I'm always thinking about, okay, what are they bringing to the table and what can I bring to the table? So you want to help them see that, right? So try to figure out what that synergy is, why you believe that your audiences, each audience would benefit or complement one another, and then explain that to them, share that with them. And, and that way they're gonna buy in more quickly that, yeah, okay, this is worth my time and energy because even though this person's audience is small, I have an opportunity to do something synergistically. And then maybe after you do that workshop, when you bring two people together, there's something about that that the audience loves. They love it when it's, 
you know, that's why I co-host my podcast, right? It's like, there's something about that, that the audience really digs. And so you can then put that with a Facebook ad. You can start to get more momentum with that. You can share it multiple times to make sure more people see it and, and use it as a tool in your business, not just one and done. And then again, just slowly, it just starts multiplying. So my biggest advice for someone, if you're reaching out to someone with a bigger audience is just help them see what the synergy is, not just, oh, hey, you have a bigger audience. Can you promote me? No, you have to like make it a win-win for them. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that you were running these monthly at the start. So let's say you've run your first workshop and you got maybe that 25, 30 people, however many it is, however big or small, how often should you be running additional workshops and should you keep doing the same topic again and again, or should you be experimenting? How do you think about that? Yeah. I like from a bandwidth standpoint, I like once a month. If you can do twice a month, great. But I personally, I think that most people running a business or maybe have other responsibilities, I think one a month is realistic. Especially once you get your process down, it's just a rinse and repeat, right? As far as the topic itself, initially, I would just start with one topic and run it three or four or five, even six months in a row. Because like you said, your audience is going to continue to grow. And as I mentioned, some of the people that came to your workshop the first time might not be able to come the second time, but they've been thinking about you. And so then maybe the third time is when they finally invest. And so if you're just feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got to keep creating new content and keep switching it up, the truth of the matter is all you're doing is making your own life super hectic. (laughs) It just creates this nonsense where it's like, oh my gosh, you're on this content creation wheel when you don't have to be. And so stick with the same one until, you know, you're going to see that it keeps growing. Word of mouth is helping you. Maybe now you're starting to put a little ad spend behind it. Maybe you're getting more co-hosts that can talk about that same topic with you. Just keep going on that topic for your own sanity. (laughs) And then when you feel like, okay, I've done this workshop four times and these three questions keep coming up. They keep coming up. They keep coming up. Okay, now I can see, all right, here's a topic my audience is really interested in. Now I'm going to do a workshop on that because I have actual data. I'm not just thinking of something for the fact of thinking of it or doing it. I actually have data that says they want to know more about this and then move forward with a new one. Yeah. And I mean, if you're running the same one and it keeps growing, or even if it's attracting the same number of people every time, like that's data that it's working, that people are continually interested in it. Even if you run it six months in a row and you're still getting more people every time, like don't mess with what isn't broken. Sometimes we like to make it difficult on ourselves. Right. Right. If it's growing your email list and whatever your call to action at the end is, if people are taking that action, getting on a call with you, downloading your freebie, enrolling in your program, like you said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Just keep rinse and repeating. Make it as easy on yourself as possible. So along those lines of making it easy on yourself, what are your thoughts of continuing to run them live versus turning it into an evergreen model where it's just a replay of a previous workshop? Yeah, I personally, I think that that's, well, there is some logistics to it. I particularly love live just simply because it's like one of my greatest joys is to teach and then interact with the audience. That makes me, that brings me joy and happiness, which is one of the things that I focus on 
a lot in my business. As far as a logistic standpoint, just the, the deal is evergreen, you're just going to see a lower conversion rate. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the biggest, most popular wellness person on the planet, evergreen is never going to convert as well as live, just isn't. So if you have wine that you've done over and over and over and over, and you have a really good, really, really good recording of it, and you're feeling like you want to move in a new direction, maybe you do want to create a new workshop, well, then go ahead and put that one on Evergreen. What do you have to lose? Test it for three or four months. And as long as it's profitable, meaning the ad spend that you are putting behind it to get it out there, to get registrants, as long as the amount of money you're generating from it, enrollment into your program is as much or more than what you're spending on Facebook ads, then it's a great business model. If it's costing you money, even a small amount, eh, that might be all right from the standpoint of you are growing your email list and more than likely you'll capture some type of revenue from those people later down the road. But if it's costing you a fortune and you're just not getting anything from it, it's not a good investment financially or from a time standpoint. So I, to answer your question, I think it's a test. I think every single person, every single workshop, every single title has to be weighed on its own merit. I don't think that there is a standard across the board. Okay, yeah, this is going to work. I've seen evergreen that works and I've seen evergreen that hasn't worked for no particular rhyme or reason either. It's just, you've got to keep testing. I love what Karen said here about everything being a test. Too often, we try something once, and when it doesn't work immediately, we move on to the next shiny tool or strategy that we hope will bring us instant success. One of the ideas that I'm constantly reminding myself of to combat this mindset is that marketing follows the scientific method. We make a hypothesis, run an experiment, assess the results, and then repeat, changing one variable at a time until we get the results we're looking for. As we've talked about already, besides list building, one of the main reasons to run a workshop in the first place is to get people into a program you're opening up. I wanted to get Karen's thoughts on how to think about workshop scheduling in the lead up to a launch. So if you're using workshops to generate interest in a program that you're starting on a certain date, so let's for simplicity say that your program actually starts on the first of the month. So how long are you going to have your cart open? Let's say the cart is open seven days, right? So that backs us up maybe to like the 23rd or the 24th of the month before. Okay, great. Then you want to make sure that your first workshop is the day you're opening your cart because your call to action is going to be join the program that starts on the first of the month. So you might only do one. If you have the bandwidth to do two, that would be great. If your cart open period is longer than seven days, maybe it's 10. I really don't recommend longer than 10. Then I think you could probably fit in three. So maybe one in the morning, one in the afternoon during the week, and then maybe a Saturday. So it's totally depends on the coach, but don't feel like if you can't do three, then uh, I shouldn't do any, right? One is good enough to start. And then again, if you have a seven day cart open, then two is probably great. If you have a longer cart open and you can do three, that would be perfect. With most of the people that you work with and that you coach with workshops, do they have a specific launch date or are they kind of programs that are open all the time, but they just run workshops every so often to get new people into them? 
both actually. I would say that probably it's like about a 60-40 split. So I would say 60% of them have programs that are really the self-study type programs. People might be going into a Facebook group, but it doesn't really matter when they start or join, they can really get the benefit and they're going through the modules at their own pace. The other that have the programs that start on a certain date, those obviously are just what we just talked about, right? There, there's, there's a timeline or a launch runway really that you're on to make it all work out. And I don't think one is better than the other. I think most coaches though feel a little less pressured if there is no official start date that you know they have a program that anyone can get in at any time, that feels less pressuring to them, less overwhelming. So again, there's so many personality styles out there of, of what people can handle, where they are in their business. In the very beginning, I would just do, like I said, one a month, it was nerve wracking. I had never done anything online. So learning the online technology felt like a class in and of itself. And did I screw up? 100%, no doubt. There were so many times I forgot to click the record button so I didn't get to send the recording. I mean, so many mistakes, but that's how you learn. And so you just do the best that you can and just keep going. That's, I mean, that's the thing is like with each action, you reap a reward. And more than likely, that reward has something to do with building your confidence to take it to the next step. Yeah. So, of course, one of the things that especially a lot of people in the wellness space who are very heart-centered struggle with is the sales side of things. So when you're in the workshop and you're going to make that transition, how do you coach people to do that in a way that doesn't feel you know, icky or slimy to them? Right. So <laughs> from a mindset standpoint, you have to get in the space And at first, you're just going to have to tell yourself, and you might not believe it, but you have to get in the space that you have earned the right to make this offer. You have just given them a ton of information, super high value information. And if they've hung on with you to this point, more than likely, they want the next steps. They're thinking about the next steps. So you may have to convince yourself, okay, all right, I ha- I earned this right. I, you know, they want to know it. You may be telling yourself this and you don't believe it, but this is the truth. And you have to think about all of the workshops or the webinars that you've been on. How many times have you gotten to that point and you are just waiting for the person to say what the program is, how much it costs? Like, yeah, I'm in. Just tell me, where do I sign up? This is how your audience feels. And So you're right, coaches get into that place of, I just don't like selling myself. And that's why I always, I, I rarely call it a pitch. I typically call it a sales conversation because you're making an offer. So you simply have to remember, all you're doing is making an offer. You're letting them know how they can take the next step It's up to them if they take the next step. You're not twisting anybody's arm. You're not stealing anyone's credit card. It's up to them. So really, the fear factor really comes in when they think about what if nobody joins, right? What if nobody joins? Then I'm a failure. 
No, you're not. Simply because A, the whole process should have built your confidence that you can make it from A to Z and not stop. You are heads and shoulders above so many other entrepreneurs out there that are afraid to do that. So give yourself a pat on the back. Next, you have helped all of those attendees, all the people that listen to the replay, move forward in their customer journey with you. If this is the very first time you've ever run this workshop, it's the very first time you've ever made an offer for this program, yeah, you might have no one that signs up, but you now have planted a seed and you have to come back and water that seed and nurture it and fertilize it. And you do that by running that same workshop again and making that same offer again. And you will start to see momentum in the people that are taking you up on it. So it starts with you just knowing that your audience wants to hear what you have to say. You've earned the right to make this offer, to tell them, again, you're not forcing anybody to do anything. You're just saying, it's no more than a recommendation, really. Like if you want, the way we transition in my workshops is if you enjoyed and found value in the information I just shared with you, then more than likely you're going to love what I'm telling you next. Let me introduce you to my ABC coaching program where I will help you do blah, 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 right? And so you've gotten their buy-in in the beginning, you've shared great information, you've reviewed what you talked about. So again, they're like, yeah, I did learn that. Yeah, I feel that way. Yes, I, I got this from that workshop. And then you're just saying, and if you liked this, let me tell you how you can take this transformation even further. And when you just think of it in those terms, it's just a conversation. It's just an offer or a recommendation that you happen to be financially receiving the rewards from, but you did all the work. So just let them make their own decision. Show up as your best self and have the conversation, even though it feels scary at first, you'll get the hang of it. And it's a beautiful thing because they will start to see the benefit of your program. Yeah. I've seen more and more people recently in the past maybe year to say upfront, hey, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this and I'm going to make you an offer at the end. Or people say, there's going to be no offer at the end. Do you have any opinions on whether you should preface that right off the bat? I think that you certainly can if that makes you feel better. I think that there is a place, I don't know if I would say I'm going to make you an offer. I think you can absolutely say, and at the end of this workshop, I'm going to share with you an opportunity to take this training with me or this education or your coaching with me further. I'm going to share with you how we can take our relationship further so that they know there's something else coming. Right, And anyone that's been on any type of webinar or workshop certainly knows that that's normally the case. But there are always going to be people that when you get to the end, they're like, oh, here we go. Here's the sales conversation. Those people, you know, again, those people, everybody gets them. Just ignore them. Just do your thing. It's not how the majority feels. And there are people out there that just like coming on and aggravating. Just being an aggravator right? Like I remember when my kids were little and my son would always aggravate his sister. He knew her pressure points. Yeah, this is what people do. And and there are people that they just have more time on their hands than they know what to do with. But don't let that derail you. You have a good thing going. You have something to offer and just let that process play out. 
Every Sunday, I send out my Listen Up newsletter to over a thousand generous entrepreneurs, marketers, and creators who are seeking to grow their audience around work that means something. Each week features an article to help you reframe how you're approaching your business, along with five things I discovered in the previous week that I think might help you in your life and business as well. Instead of another tactic or strategy to add to your never-ending to-do list, this newsletter is meant to help you rise above the noise and gain a new perspective on your work. It's best consumed sitting somewhere cozy with a cup of coffee in your hand, which is exactly how I write it. Writing this newsletter every week is my very favorite thing I do in my business, and it's something I'm truly proud to create and share. I'd be honored to send it to you, and you can sign up at betterwellness.biz newsletter. Before wrapping things up, I wanted to know something Karen has done to add more joy and ease into her day-to-day life as a business owner. Something I know most of us feel we could all use more of. I strictly stick to a three task a day calendar. So I have a running list all the time of things that need to get done. And at the end of each day, I focus and choose the priorities three priorities for the next day. And then that is it. When I am done with those three priorities, the computer gets closed, the notebook gets closed, and I go do other things because I can very easily, I love my business. I love connecting with wellness business owners. So I can easily, and I have done this in the past, just do it all the time. Have my phone in front of my face, not you know, none of my hobbies were being, you know, I wasn't in interacting and I wasn't just taking a nap and I wasn't doing my, you know, with my garden and things like that. And so it is a conscious decision. It's, it's a true conscious decision. Even though my business brings me joy, I need to take that break. I can tell I'm a better business owner when I do that. And so that is one thing that I've done. The second thing is I also run a business with my husband. So my husband has his own business that I have responsibilities in. And so we vowed at the beginning of 2020 that we were taking Fridays. He was not going to be out in the field. I was not going to be working on my wellness business. Fridays, we were working on that business together and no work on the weekends. We have stuck to that this entire year and it has been a game changer for us. Like total, total reset on so many different levels. And that was a great decision. We thought it was going to be super hard. And yeah, it's taken some maneuvering, but so worth it in the end. So I like to say that this is a show about building a better world disguised as a show about building better businesses. So I'm curious, given the name of the show, what does the phrase building better call to mind for you? Building better to me means that A, you're building a business that is authentic to you on a timeline that fits the season that you are in in your life and that truly, truly brings you joy and happiness. And when you're away from it, you actually miss it. That's what it means to me. That's wonderful. So I would love for you to share a little bit about the the library of workshops. I know we've talked a lot about workshops and I know that you make it really super easy on people. So could you just share a little bit about those and then where people can find you to connect uh, further online? Sure. So they can find me on the best place to connect with me is Instagram simply because I hang out there all the time. I do Insta stories and I love connecting. So I'm at Karen Paddock on Instagram 
I have a Facebook group. It's Health Coach Client Attraction. You're welcome to join. As far as my wellness workshops, yes, I have 12 different wellness topics, a library of workshops that I have created for health and wellness business owners. So if they want to get started sooner than later, they don't want to spend the hours researching or putting together a slide deck and all that, then I have done all the work for them already. So each workshop comes with a slide deck that has presenter notes. So if they're uncertain, they're unsure, it gives them those those helpful clues to get them going an attendee workbook, social media posts, social media graphics, an aha moment handout, everything that they need to promote and fill that workshop. They're also designed to include a sales conversation. So I have a very, as you can tell by this conversation today, I have a very specific process that I go through to make sure that By the time you get to that sales conversation, your audience is ready and excited to hear what their next steps are. So I have set that up and and all the slides are there for you. They're just fill in the blank, you fill in your programs and it's the whole design is created so that you will be a success with this workshop. And then lastly, Jeremy, so that everyone can see it in action. I've recorded every single workshop, they get access to that both the transcript and the actual workshop so they can see someone delivering it as if they were a coach so that they feel confident and can model that when they go forward. So yeah, they can go to mywellnessworkshops.com and they will be able to check out that entire library of workshops. Thanks for letting me share. Workshops are something that I'm looking to explore in much more depth in the coming year for my own business. And this conversation with Karen really reduced some of the overwhelm and analysis paralysis I was feeling around them. As you've heard in previous episodes, I'm a big fan of pre-validating paid products. But for some reason, that idea has never clicked into place when it comes to workshops. To be honest, that tip alone makes the idea of running workshops feel a whole lot easier for me. I hope after listening to this episode that you're feeling the same way. To continue the conversation, I'd love to hear what one workshop is that you could run for your audience in the next few months. And what, if anything, is standing in the way of you setting a date and putting it out there. You can head over to betterwellness.biz voice and leave me a message. And I'd love to feature your response on an upcoming episode. Or send me an email at jeremy at counterweightcreative.co. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Stephanie Bellinger of Spiritual Boss Babe. We're going to be talking about how she built her massive, highly engaged Facebook community, the idea of being as if, and a whole lot more. I really can't wait to share this one with you. This episode was produced, as always, by our amazing team at Counterweight Creative. Big thanks in particular to Tom Kelly for sound engineering support, Karina Penner for her work on the show notes, Ari Lombardozzi for his help with video editing, and Casey Bowen and Francesca Mamlin for their behind-the-scenes work, keeping everything running smoothly and on schedule. Finally, to you listening, thank you so much for spending this time with me, and until next time, keep building better. Better.